0: We are the Storm
1: from Melbourne blow the others up the ground, we are the Storm and we're number one. We are the Storm and we're number one. Welcome to Stormcast, the official Melbourne Storm podcast, episode 20. As always, a quick shout out to to those of you who are supporting the podcast by downloading and subscribing to Stormcast with Gobs, the one and only Melbourne Storm podcast. Stormcast is your one-stop shop for discussing all things Melbourne Storm. Stormcast with Gobs is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify platforms. As always, I'm your host, Gobbs, and I'll be bringing you the latest news, views, and and opinions, as well as Storm content over the 2023 season. Now, let's get on with the podcast, shall we? Xavier Coates there. Didn't he have a night out at Amy Park last Saturday night against the Sea Eagles? Melbourne Storm running out. Winners 24-6 to 6 in a very, very slow and clunky start. A little worrisome. Probably for the first 40 to 50 minutes of that game, it looked anything but comfortable. Uh, the Storm looked very uncomfortable with the ball even when they got into good ball and into the opposition red zone. They didn't seem to be looking to do much with it at all. Very pedestrian, but they did get going. And once they found their rhythm, they were very, very hard to claw back. Um, Error-ridden first 40 minutes, uh, a lot of drop balls, a lot of penalties, very uh, ill-disciplined in the first set of the game, which really put the storm on the back foot. The good thing that you take away when when you are giving away penalties and you are... Uh, making errors is the ability of a good team is to defend those errors and to defend those penalties, and the Storm did that so well. Lesser teams would have conceded points, and the Storm didn't. So credit where credit's due, and that's down to the defensive resolve, resilience, and attitude that we've seen turn around since the Cowboys game a few weeks back. Jonah Pezzett again showed a lot of poise with his kicking game. Two smart grubbers that led to Xavier Coates' try double. The confidence of being in origin camp and being a part of a winning Queensland Maroons team that wrapped up the series was telling. With Coates backing up with one of his best performances, in my personal opinion, in a purple jersey to date, he just had a spring in his step. He looked taller. He looked bigger. He looked more confident. And he was just generally outstanding in everything he did. Kick returns, the way he was finishing off, the way he was on the back of shape. Um, and there was one particular play in the game. Now, a lot of people will always look at the, uh, you know, the 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 heroics of of him being able to score a try in midair and both legs in the air, and you know, the the athleticism of 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 the man is is amazing, but. That wasn't the play that I'm referring to. The play I'm referring to was his last play of the game to deny the Seagulls a try right on full time. To me, that summed up his game. That summed up his performance, and that sums up the effort and the confidence that he's now playing with after being in origin camp and in a winning origin camp, mind you. The last-ditch effort to get back and put his body on the line to deny manly winger Ray Vega a try was exemplary. That's the 1% efforts that would be pleasing eight the most. Little efforts like that. So well done to Xavier Coates, who had a, a, a tremendous game. Husey again, very, very solid. Great game, showed great control, directed the team well without Munster and... Um, Will Warbrick? Well, what can you say? I, I, I know I'm. I feel like I'm repeating myself every single week, but it's true. He continues to grow and develop week on week. He's becoming rugby league aware, which is a sign of his ascension and progression as a safe, reliable winger. Um, there's no heart in the mouth start. There's no sort of trepidation when he's returning the ball or when he's under the high ball. He just continues to go from strength to strength, and it's it's so good to see. Big Nass, well, what more can one say? Devastating. Playing on an edge caused havoc and destruction whilst scoring a well-deserved try. Um, 40 metres out, running a beautiful line off Hughes and showing some neat footwork and step to sprint to the try line untouched. Um, amazing, amazing. And um, it's, it's going to be a bit of a conundrum because... I made mention of it last week. He becomes a target defensively because of his size. So when you're defending at three men, so virtually third man in from the wing, as a bigger body who weighs over 125 to 128 kilos, his lateral movement can be exploited through opposition shape, trying to get on the outside of him. So... This this is one of the problems playing him on the edge in attack. It's a no brainer, right? He's unstoppable, um, and if he's not getting the ball, he's at least casting doubt into the opposition defense when Storm are shifting um, and using shape on their on their right side. So to me, it's still whilst it's working now, I I, I don't think it's a it's a long term. Oh, it's definitely not going to be a long-term because Ellie Katoa is obviously still recovering. But what I'm trying to say is is that if the option was there to play in there long-term, to me it it raises more questions um, than it provides answers. So whilst it's at the moment conducive to the results because we're winning, I don't think it's a long-term strategy. And when you're going to come up against bigger teams with bigger packs... We need Nelson back in the middle, challenging and helping to win the ruck and dominate the ruck, um, because he can't do that when he's on the edge. We need him in the, in the middle to be able to stop the likes of the Panthers, to be able to stop the likes of the big Broncos pack, the big Rabbitohs pack, the big Roosters pack, etc., etc. et cetera. So it, it really comes down to it's doing a job at the moment, but how long is that sustainable? That's what I'm getting at. So Tom will tell. He's yeah. We'll, we'll touch on that in Team List Tuesday. The tail of the tape shows that the storm again completed eighty-one percent. And everyone that listens know knows that I bang on about completing eighty percent or more. Nine ninety-nine point nine percent of the time, you win. A, you win the football game, and that's that's where the tail of the tape was. the The storm's high completion rate compared to to the seagulls was uh, far superior. So. Defensively, the Storm are again strong, limiting the Seagulls to just six points as they did uh, with Wes the week before helping with the teams for and against on the ladder where Storm currently sit third on percentages of their points differential of a plus 83 with the Rabbitohs and Panthers ahead of them with a plus 87 and a plus 175 respectively. So again, you... You would have heard me a couple of podcast episodes again bang on about the importance of the Storm really starting to get their for and against going now because it could make a difference between being top four or the bottom part of the four. And if it's the bottom part of the four, you could you could actually miss the top eight. That's how congested this competition is. So when you've got three teams that are sitting on on equal first but first, second and third respectively, that only leaves another five spots and when they're sharing and holding hands on on the same points as well it makes it very, very tight very, very interesting so it's for and against is actually going to come down to determining the shape and the outlook of what the final ladder will be after round 27 so if the Storm are winning games, that's great but you need to be winning games, but you need to be winning enough games by enough points to have a higher points differential, which can, again, mean the difference between potentially being in the top four and we're, we're in that top four where you could gain a potential home final and a second bite of the cherry. Or you could be at the bottom part of the four, which is teams ranked five to eight. And Depending on four and against, you could even find yourself at ninth or tenth. It's just, it's so fascinating. The closest competition since 1982, apparently. Um, so it's gone from 19, it's gone from the 1930s to now 1982. And again, in more recent times, you go back to not, uh, 2018. The top four teams finished on 34 points. The teams five to eight finished on 32 points. So that's how. That's probably the last time that we've seen sort of a competition like this. So, yeah, it's it's inc- it's incredible, really. So let's hear what Craig Bellamy had to uh, say about the Manly win.
2: Slow start, Craig, but they got going. Yeah, Jake, we, um, yeah, the first half wasn't great. You know, we just didn't complete that, that well. You know, we done a pretty good job defensively to, you know, to stay in it. You know, the, I mean, Points they scored in the first half, or for the game, was you know off that kick. So um, I thought you know we defended really well, but you know we had to work a lot harder than what we should have with the amount of errors we had, you know. And um, but you know we sort of fixed that up in the second half, and you know, I was really happy with with their effort, you know. We, um, you know, I thought we competed really well, especially defensively, and. Um, if we end up, you know, getting the win. It was, I suppose, a little bit similar to last week. Only, you know, last week, you know, we didn't start the second half great, but you know, this week I thought, you know, we really put a stamp on it in the first ten or fifteen, the second half, and I think that's basically where we won the game. You've won five out of the last six, I think it is. Like, how are you feeling as a coach about where the team is in this crucial period in this middle of the season? Yeah, yeah, you know, Like, sort of, you know, I don't think too much about it, at, you know, at the moment in. In that, you know, it is the Origin period, which is always a, I wouldn't say a difficult time, it's always an exciting time, you know, like we all love watching Origin and and all the the players, you know, they all want to play Origin. So, you know, um, but it is a difficult time when you've got players in Origin and, Managing them and um, you know man- managing the team as well, you know whether you play them or whether you don't, and you know in, in, in the games in between. So it, it can be a bit taxing, you know, mentally to be quite honest, um, you know, for the, the, the coaching and staff. But um, yeah, like I say, it's been a, a pretty good period for us, and um, you know I think some of our, our younger blokes are, you know, starting to you know, get a lot more consistent with doing the things that, that work for us and. If we we can keep it up and and keep keep
1: moving forward, Craig Bellamy there uh, talking about the win over the Storm's arch rivals in the Seagulls. Um, Again, spoke about how proud he was of the defensive effort, Um, and again the the turnaround in defensive uh, application and attitude since the debacle, which was the Cowboys uh, game a few weeks back, is it's been noticeable and. Uh, The Storm have only conceded two tries in the past fortnight. So um, that's always a positive, and that's one thing that players need to do. They need to pack their attitude for game day. And the Storm over the past three, four weeks have done that, which has been really, really pleasing. So let's hope that is a trend that continues and hangs around well, well in deep into September. Um, He spoke about the consistency that the younger players in the group are starting to find. Two, which is good, which is good to see. Uh, more so during the Origin period, which is very po- problematic when um, you've got players that aren't backing up, i.e., Cameron Munster, who got caxton- caxtonitis apparently um, after the uh, after the Origin two uh, win. So he was unwell and didn't back up. Um, and the emotional and, and the physical fatigue that was noticeable in Harry Green. I thought Harry was he did what he had to do. Got. Went through the motions, but he wasn't his dominating and scheming best against Manly. And to be expected, after the uh, the emotional high, the letdown, the late nights, um, the physicality, um, and and obviously the mental and emotional drain that that Origin does bring um, to play uh, a game at at that speed and intensity and everything on the line, and then you know, seventy two hours later, you got to back up and go again where his body would have been hurting. So it really does, to Beliak's point, come down to the younger players really starting to get that consistency in their game where the the gap between their best performances and their worst performances is starting to narrow. Um, And that only comes with time and that comes with experience and obviously picking up Different things and, and, and following the leaders of the team, um, so um, the likes of uh, Will Warbrick and um, um, Trent Liero, Alec McDonald, etc. We're starting to see more consistency in their in their games now, so uh, which is good, which is good to see. So, uh, especially this time of the year, but um, yeah. Uh, let's hope that continues as well. And that's one thing you can't put an old head on young shoulders. And the only way these younger players are going to continue to get better is by playing more more games in first grade and having more reps and building that continuity with their inside and outside men on their edges uh, or in the middle where they're playing. So it's it's all about those reps and getting those reps in and having those that familiarity with the team uh, and the team mates around them. Um, because that just that bodes better for the whole the, the greater cohesion and team dynamic moving forward. so you look at the better teams um, the, the teams that are performing and have been performing for such a long period of time and the consistency is they've had players playing together for four or five seasons which usually equates to around about 90 to 100 games. So when you're playing 90 to 100 games as well as the training, week in, week out, those, rep, those reps all of a sudden become second nature. So you've got that continuity already in your football team. Um, and that's what we're now slowly starting to see with the storm. And you think about the storm spine, for example. You've got Ryan Pappenhausen who hasn't played any football. You've got Munster who's uh, in and out of origin. You've got Husey. Um, who missed a couple of games for suspension this year, the, the one staple has been Nick Meaney. Um, again, which when you think about it, he's only a season and a half into his tenure at the club. So whilst he's been doing an admirable job in his own right at fullback, he's still building combination with the 6, 7 and 9. And that takes time. So whilst some weeks it looks amazing, other weeks it's not going to look amazing because it it really depends on different factors, different situations in the game. Uh, are the Storm dominating the ruck? Are they playing over the advantage line? Are they playing flat and fast? Uh, are they playing off the back foot? Um, there's all these different sort of um, game situation moments, um, nuances within, within that 80 minutes that can actually um, determine how... The, the attack and the and the and the fluidity and the the continuity within that within the game uh, and the and the the cohesion between or the, the connectiveness I should say between those one six seven and nine is performing so that in itself is still coming together that's why you look at that first 40 50 minutes against manly the other night they all they they look like strangers it's like oh this is the first time they've played together that's that's the that's sort of the image that was was being conveyed they they looked clunkly clunky they looked messy they didn't sort of look like they knew what was going on and again that 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 can happen from time to time when you're still trying to build that continuity uh within within your players so uh especially in the creative positions of, of, your, of your spine of 167 and 9 so yeah, um, but again, like Beliak said, it's, it's the younger players specifically that he's happy that their consistency and becoming a little bit more consistent within their performance, which is helping during this, uh, during this problematic period, which is the origin period. And just a, a little tip for Captain Christian Welsh. The microphones and cameras are always on. For those of you that didn't hear what Welshie had to say at the beginning of the post-match press conference, here it is. How did the Knights not win? Knights, the Panthers didn't have anyone. Well, if that's not a gaffe, I don't know what is because way to poke the bear. You've literally insulted two opposition clubs, two opposition teams, two opposition supporter bases now. So if you're the Knights hearing that, you're angry of hearing a captain of, of a club basically show disrespect to your team, because that's what it is. It's a disrespectful comment. If you're going to make those comments or have that line of thinking, you make it behind closed doors where no one's, everyone's none the wiser. No one knows what, what you're saying, but... To convey that in a public open forum, you've just put a target on your back, but you've also put a target on the team and the club. Um, And the bigger issue there is the other team saying the Panthers had no one. Who did the Storm play this week? Panthers. Who do they play in uh, four weeks' time? The Knights. So you can bet your bottom dollar that both the Panthers this week and the Knights are going to be up for it and they'll be looking for Welshie. So, yeah, as a captain of the club, I I expect a little bit better in that regard. So you can probably tell by the tone of my voice I'm, I'm not too pleased about that comment. But, um, again, he's got to back it up now because they're going to be coming for him. So over to you, Welshie. Time to stand up, mate. <laughs> Sunday. All right, teamless Tuesday. Kembra Munster has been named to return to the Round 18 Melbourne Storm lineup as the squad prepares to take on the reigning premiers, the Penrith Panthers, at Marvel Stadium. Yes, Marvel Stadium. If you haven't already got your tickets, go get them because it'll be an absolute cracking game this Friday night against the reigning premiers. The Clash will see the 5-8 return after missing last week's win over Manly. Tui Kamikamitha is also eyeing a return to the squad from the Interchange as he continues to monitor a calf complaint sustained in Round 16 against Wests with Tarek Sims remaining in the number 8 jersey. The Fijian forward will be joined on the bench by Bronson Garlic, Alec McDonald, who made his successful return to the NRL squad last week, uh, and Kane Bradley with Utility... Tyron Wishart stepping in as the 18th man. Missing from the round 17 side, Tom Eisenhooth also looks to rejoin the Melbourne side on the extended reserves, along with Chris Lewis, Suya Fayalongo, and Jonah Pezet, who rounds out the 22-man squad. Now let's have a look at the team in essence. Nick Meaney at fullback. Let's hope he brings his kicking boots after he sacked himself last week. Will Warbrick. And Xavier Coates on the wings. In the centres, Remus Smith and Justin Olam, who also returned last week after being stood down through concussion and some performance issues from the week before. In the halves, Cameron Munster being named to return. Jerome Hughes is his halfback. In the front row, Tariq Sims in the number eight. Harry Grand, hooker, Christian Welsh and captain in the number ten. In the back row we have Trent Liero, Nelson Osofa-Solomona finds himself again on an edge and Josh King locks the scrum. On the interchange bench we have Bronson Garlic, in the 14, Alec MacDonald in the 15, Tui Kemekamitha, Kane Bradley round out the 17 and on the extended reserves we have Tyron Wishart, Tom Eisenhuth, Chris Lewis. Sua so Fai and Jonah Pezett, who has done a remarkable job over the past fortnight filling in for Cameron Munster whilst unavailable due to illness as well as being on origin duty. So Jonah Pezit's kicking game was fantastic last week against the Seagulls and the week before against Wests. Uh, again, he's a, a natural general play kicker. Uh, and again, I've... I've been critical of the Storm's general play-kicking game for a while, but he was a real point of difference, Um, and it it, it always helps when you've got a natural kicker of the ball, uh, which he is, uh, unlike Munster and Hughes, who can be a little bit temperamental with their general play-kicking. Now, let's look at our opponents who look very, very formidable. Dylan Edwards is at fullback. Suni Turova on the wings with Brian To'o, Isaac Tungle and Stephen Crichton in the centres. The halves are Jerome Luai returning from origin duty. Jack Cogger is at halfback. Uh, their front row is Moses Leota, Mitch Kenny and James Fisher-Harris. Their back row is Scott Sorensen who is having a tremendous season. Liam Martin, the origin representative and Isaiah Yo, the Panthers, and New South Wales' lock. Uh, the interchange bench includes Sonny Luke, Lindsay Smith, Spencer Leneu, and Jamin Simon Their reserves list includes Zach Hosking, Matt Eisenhuth, Luke Garner, Tyron Peachy, Tom Jenkins. These were the nobodies that Christian Welsh was referring to who got the job done over the nights last week. Uh, so they're on the reserves should uh, any of the top 17 not be available uh, closer to kickoff. But now let's look at the strengths and the weaknesses of this Panthers team. Well, weaknesses, let's be honest, there isn't any. Even with Nathan Cleary missing, um, Jack Cogger comes in and just fills fills the void of Cleary. He's a very composed um, number seven, very good organising halfback who just does his job, can steer uh, the team around and gets gets the team to different points on the field, just like Cleary does. He can fall in and out of shape, in and out of structure, and his kicking game is great. And he's also a very very good defensive number seven as well. So, uh, whilst the Storm will undoubtedly put him on the chopping block and use him as a spot defender, what I mean by a spot defender is that because he is a smaller body, they will continue continually run the edge back row at at him to try and exploit a defensive weakness. Uh, And second to that, we'll try and tire him out through a high defensive workload. So, uh, But he can hold his own. He's a very, very tough kid, Uh, even when he debuted at Newcastle and played at the Bulldogs before going to Super League. The one constant of his game as a halfback is that he was a very, very good defensive halfback. So um, he'll do the job, uh, and he's already proven that since he's come in and slotted in and and left basically left off where Nathan Cleary was. So um, no real weaknesses at all. Uh, Their front row is just off its head. Like Moses Leota, who comes off the back fence, and James Fisher-Harris, who he, he would have to be up there with, if not the best front rower in the game, he's on the podium and he's in the discussion and you look at their back row at the moment like Liam Martin is just he's an absolute absolute weapon um uh, whilst he 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 doesn't mind the uh the odd shall we say bit of gamesmanship um and pushes the envelope a little bit getting under the skin of opposition uh players um his ability to to hit holes um take the hit ups uh, that no one wants to take, um, can run a really, really good line, starting to develop a bit of a pass, uh, just a really, really good all-round, all-round, all-round back rower that can do a job on either side uh, and can fill in the middle as well. He's just very, very tough. And Scott Sorensen is having a major, major breakout year. He's been dynamic on the edge for the Panthers. Isaiah, we know what we're going to get from him, his ability to... To set up the Panthers' shape, um, giving uh, Cogger and Luai uh, that extra bit of space to skip cross field and drop a man under, or play different types of shapes—split shapes or block shape formation on a, on either edge. Um, it, again, there's just there's no there's no weakness in this team. Even the likes of like you look at the bench, Sonny Luke comes on, and he's he's the creative, crafty. Number nine, who schemes in and around the ruck, whilst Mitch Kenny is your worker. Uh, Lindsay Smith, who is just continuing to grow in stature as a middle forward for the Panthers. Uh, Spencer Lee we know what he's like. They wind him up and he just goes berserk. Uh, again, I've, I've made mention of it time and time before. Um, the Storm tried signing Spensalino uh, during the COVID period, but he elected to remain at Panthers. Uh, so, And as we know now, he's agreed to terms to go to the Roosters next year. So uh, he would have looked absolutely sensational in purple. But uh, alas, it was not to be. And Jamin Salmon, is just, he's just a really, really reliable, good utility. Com- originally a half, but can play in the centres, can play in the back row, can play in the middle. Uh, again, they're just a really formidable team. Their backs, especially their pendulum. Brian Tottenham is like having an extra forward, gets their set started off so well. Uh, Suni uh, Taruva is just having... He's in his, I suppose, rookie year, if you like. Um, he's just a ball of energy, and he's busy. He's always busy, never stops. Um, Tango and Crichton are centres, well, there's... No really better centre combination in the competition when they are on their game. And Dylan Edwards is just so underrated as a fullback. He's, his effort off the ball, if you ever get to see Dylan Edwards live, go look at the defensive work that he gets through in terms of not only um, defending in the front line for early set in, in the sets, but the way he can organise a defence, not too dissimilar to what Billy Slater used to do for the Storm. As an as a, as a defensive organizing fullback but the just the effort in general what he does off the ball even when the Panthers do have the ball the way he can count numbers and and, and provide that uh, additional sort of in, Intel and information to his halves to play different short sides etc it's yeah he's just a, a really, really 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 good player very underrated Um and wouldn't look out of place in a representative jersey, uh, be it of a origin or a test uh, variety. So uh, very, very good player. I really enjoyed watching him play, but hopefully he doesn't play too well uh, for the Panthers this Friday night. Um, look, the way I see this game going is that it needs to be one in the middle, and it needs to be one in the middle, very, very early on. Similar to the way the Storm took it to the Sharks' middle um, three weeks ago. They need to dominate the ruck right away. So Sims and Welsh need to basically meet fire with fire. They need to take it to Leota and Fisher-Harris and stop their go-forward straight away, along with Josh King. Um, and that'll hopefully provide enough impetus for Harry Grant to get on the front foot, and start playing over the advantage line. And if we can start to generate some momentum in and around the ruck, that'll bring in Munster and Hughes to run. And if they do on that, we've got space. We've got space on both edges. So when when the Storm go to execute their shape, they're going to have room to move as opposed to being flat. So um, that needs to be... But that's all, all down to... That's all down to stopping the Panthers go forward. So that's that's an area that they need to really, really meet fire with fire. So hopefully Welsh and Sims and King as middles, starting middles, bring the fire and brimstone right from the get-go and that can bring Harry Grant into the game to get on the front foot and that again brings Munster and Hughes to do their thing and just run the football with that additional time, space and room to move. Uh, that's how I see it going. So again, it's uh, it's going to be a monumental task. But one thing about the storm, we know is that they love getting up for big games. There's no short of motivation, and you can bet your bottom dollar is that they know that this is going to be one hell of a challenge. So I'm sure the boys will be plugged in right from the get go. Let's go. <laughs> Um, Bit of storm news, Uh, so the Melbourne Storm uh, family have once again dug deep, raising an incredible $60,000, the most the club has achieved for the children's charity, the Starlight Foundation, since the start of its partnerships. The club's record-breaking amount will give 1,538 kids access to the Starlight Express Rooms nationwide, or an equivalent of granting nine wishes. sick kids. So great work, Melbourne Storm, and for every Storm fan and member at Amy Park that donated on the night, tremendous. Well done to you all. Well done. Bad Boy Mowers links up with the Storm. So a, a lot of Storm fans and members may have noticed the Bad Boy Mowers brand and logo are on the the Melbourne Storm shorts and the uh, the insignia uh, in the press conference on the back of the board where all the sponsors are. So the big boys of the Melbourne Storm jumped aboard the big boys of the Mowers this week on Gosh's paddock training ground to celebrate and announce their official new partner, the Bad Boy Mowers. Bad Boy Mowers joined Storm for the 2023 season with its logo appearing on the game day and game and training shorts. Um, we're thrilled to come on board as a partner of the Melbourne Storm and launch Bad Boy Mowers in Australia. Bad Boy Mowers are renowned for the iconic toughness, durability and attitude, all hallmarks of what we see from the Storm on the field, said Bad Boy Mowers General Manager Greg Clark. Here's what CEO of Melbourne Storm Justin Rotsky had to say about the partnership.
2: It's great to have a company like Bad Boy uh, on board with the club for this year, a US-based company. It's their first foray into the Australian market and they've got mowers for the everyday consumer right through to commercial use as well. Um, They've got big partnerships in America with the Kansas City Chiefs, New York Yankees and a big thanks to PFG, Justin Whitford and the team uh, for supporting the Melbourne Storm through this great partnership announcement today with Bad Boy Mowers. We're really excited and looking forward to seeing the Bad Boys in Action, thank you.
1: Kansas City Chiefs and the New York New York Yankees. To me, that says that there potentially could be some, uh, shall we say, a study tour, perhaps in the preseason or off season for Craig Bellamy and Frank Panisi. Who knows? There's an opportunity there to leverage the partnership. So uh, we know that um, that Belliac and Frank like to get over and uh, learn about other organisations and. and Pick up some key learnings from those study tours, so it wouldn't surprise—it wouldn't surprise if they do go over to the US and visit the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, the NFL team, and the New York Yankees baseball team. So let's see what transpires uh, on that front. Thunder. Okay, Junior Representative Report. So round 17 concluded on the weekend and the Melbourne Storm, Jersey flags' sensational six-game winning streak came to an end, suffering a defeat at the hands of St. George Illawarra, 22-12 at Seabrook Reserve on Sunday. The Storm will next host the ladder-leading Sydney Roosters at Seabrook Reserve on Sunday 2pm on the 2nd of July and a win a win could potentially see them jump into the top four. Again, absolutely amazing compared to where this team was at the start of the season. So good luck to the young Stormers. Go get it. Uh, our feeder club report. So the Brisbane Tigers um, have jumped to fourth on the 2023 Host Plus Cup ladder after an away win against the uh, uh, an away win whilst the Sunshine Coast Falcons continued to struggle to find their footing uh, at their home ground uh, at Sunshine Coast Stadium the clash between Brisbane East Tigers and the Ipswich Jets um, was one that had plenty of passion and flair with the visitors taking home the points courtesy of a 22 point win to the Tigers George Jennings, uh, along with the Storm contracted player Tristan Powell and Say Hamoni Hamana, uh, all scoring tries to secure the visitors an impressive win. The Sunshine Coast Falcons suffered a third consecutive loss uh, to a fired-up PNG Hunters team, which was keen on redemption following a disappointing result um, in round 14. Young Tonumapia, Grant Anderson, Tepo Moroa, Jaden Nikarima, Jack Howarth and Chris Lewis made up the Storm representation on the field. So whenever you're reading out names in the feeder teams, it's always an indication that we've got very, very minimal uh, players on the injured list. So that's always a good sign. So uh, good to see the players back playing regular uh, rugby league even if it's not in the top 17 but for our feeder teams because that that provides good competition for the top 17 to to not rest on their laurels knowing that there's players underneath them waiting for an opportunity As we know, Tui kemakamitha is, is returning from a calf after missing the, uh, the game against Manly that he sustained uh, the week previously against Wests. Uh, Elisa Katoa is still not named um, after suffering that uh, laceration to the eye against the Sharks three weeks ago. Marion Seve, as we know, uh, sustained a broken jaw or a jaw fracture against Wests. Uh, he's listed to return in round 21. Um, Aaron Penney sustained an ankle injury in the second half uh, no first half actually against uh, the Seagulls and didn't return to the field of play and it's not known uh, what type of injury it is and at the moment his return date is to be confirmed so we don't know what has taken place with Aaron Penney he was cited training today so I'm not sure the severity in and around that, but um, time will tell. Dean Orame, as we know, is out for the season with his uh, with his knees, recovering from the ACL. And Ryan Pappenhausen continues to build and gets closer to a return to play. So that's that's really about it. So um, in essence, um, Storm are really only missing three three players at the moment with Katoa, Seve and Penne unavailable apart from, obviously, the obvious ones of Dean Oramea and Ryan Pavenhausen, So the um, majority of, of the squad is, is available and fit, ready to play, which is, again, which is a good thing. So, yeah, um, I opened it up a- again this week um, to... Podcast listeners about getting in touch and wanting to uh, ask a question and I would do my best my very best to to answer it So we did get a few few people Um, So i'm just going to read these questions out and try and best answer them to the best of my ability Um, So the first one comes from carlos jacob Will jack howarth debut this year now? That's a very very good question now He has returned over the past fortnight to play after sustaining a shoulder injury, uh, playing for the Sunshine Coast Falcons in the Queensland Cup. He had a disrupted pre-season. He had off-season shoulder surgery last uh, October and uh, was limited to what he could do in the preseason. He did do the I Don't Quit camp, um, but his uh, his season... um, his preseason was still uh, disrupted in terms of coming back from shoulder surgery, um, and then obviously sustaining again shoulder su- uh, shoulder injury only about six weeks ago. It's probably set him back, uh, unfortunately. But um, what we have to be aware and um, cognizant of is that whilst we all want to see him pull on the purple jersey and run out for a first-grade NRL debut. He is a long-term project. And what I mean by a long-term project is that he's the only player in Melbourne Storm's 25-year history that's ever been given a five-year deal. So that goes to show how much investment and how much belief that the Storm has in Howarth as a long-term prospect and long-term Melbourne Storm player. So... It really comes down to patience, um, and that's all we really can do. We can really only put our trust and faith that when he is going to debut, it'll be a debut worth waiting for. Um, so to answer your question, Carlos, I I would love to see it, but I thought if he was ever going to debut, it was probably going to be debuting during this origin period. So, we're already seeing that Isaiah Katoa um, has missed uh, a fortnight of games. This will be his third game now that he misses uh, against the Sharks, and uh, sorry, against um, against the Panthers uh, as as an edge back rower. We've seen Justin Olam miss two games as a center, which Howarth can play both as a center and as an edge back rower. And they've found other players to replace him. So Seve come in and filled in for Olam, and they've shifted Nelson um, to an edge. So to me, that says that Howarth is down the pecking order in terms of being ready for a first-grade debut. I'd love to see it, like you and all the other Storm fans and members, but the Storm know what they're doing and we've just got to... Put our faith and trust that, again, uh, when he does, when he does come along, it'll be worth the wait. And when he does debut, I don't think you, I don't think he'll be going back to reserve grade. He strikes me; it strikes me as one of those moves that, once he debuts, he's staying in first grade and staying in first grade f- forever. So let's just see how that continues to play out. Uh, Jen Finnegan asks. Do you think Trent Liero is a future Origin candidate? Is Jonah an outside chance to get selected for New South Wales in the next Origin game? Tongue in cheek with this one, she says. So, first of all, yes, I do believe that Trent Liero has the potential to play Origin. Um, Edgeback edge rollers at the moment for or uh, well, the last couple of years for Queensland have been quite problematic. Um, one is that they've 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 had two aging back rows in Felice Cafusi and uh, Kurt Capel, and this season they've had they've had to revert to having Jeremiah Nenai come in for game two, um, and I'm just trying to think of the other the other Queensland back row, but um, it wasn't an obvious one. Or they had Tom Gilbert, who is a, is a, is a middle forward and they played him on an edge in game one, and he went down and they had to shift Ruben Cotter, who's not an edge back right. So to me, there's an opportunity for definitely for Trent Liero to put his hand up. And um, I dare say that the more consistency he can get in his game um, over the next, let's say, the next 12 to 18 months will probably dictate if and when he does get selected. So... At the moment, he's just going to continue to build um, on different facets of he, of his game, um, and I think one of those ones is obviously the repeated efforts in defence. So um, he's one on one great defender, um, but again, it's one of those things where he's gone from, in the space of you know the, the last twelve to eighteen months, he's gone from being an interchange forward playing in the middle for 20, 30 minutes a game to now playing week in, week out, 80 minutes on a left edge. So that in itself is a big learning curve and transitioning and becoming comfortable in that role um, is going to take some time. So I think we'll see the best the best football for Trent Liero is, is coming. His best football is coming. So I dare say that this time... Next season, we're going to see a more dominant Trent Liero. Does it mean he'll be playing origin? I don't think so. But what he will be doing, he'll start to be knocking on the door because he's going to start to find that consistency in his game from starting to play and become really, really comfortable in that left-edge back row position that he's now making his own at the Storm. Um, Jonah Pezzett, well, who knows? If they can can select Mitchell Moses as halfback, surely Jonah's got to be a a chance, right? But uh, no, look, um, we know Jonah's uh, uh, a very good young halves prospect. Um, That's why he's re-signed with the Storm and why the Storm was so keen to keep him. But also we know um, after his heroics last year and getting man of the match in the New South Wales under-20s origin, he showed his wares... um, and he, he could be very much, very much a future Blues halfback. So, again, very, very young, very in the infancy of his first-grade career, let alone knocking on the door for origin. But um, um, I suppose that's one thing that New South Wales have a really, really poor track record of is that they've got the propensity to, to burn kids out. I um, mean, you go back and you look through the, you know, the echoes of time in terms of the amount of players that they've debuted and have only ever played one origin game, and majority of them have all been halves. So you go to Terry Campese, you go to um, uh, Jared Mullen, um, you go to um, uh, Wallace that used to play for the Panthers and the Broncos, they all played one game and were never sided again. So... Um, We don't want to see Jonah become collateral damage in that regard. So, yeah, thank you very much for the question, Jen. Uh, Magazine H. Moy uh, asks, imagine the humanity if more Pacific Islanders were to join, and is it possible for players like Justin Ollum, for instance? So I'm assuming he's referring to Origin. Now, again, there's a certain criteria, uh, Magasi, and part of that criteria at the moment is you've had to have been playing in either New South Wales or Queensland um, from the age of 13. So if, if you've arrived um, to Australia from a Pacifica nation, after the age of thirteen, you're ineligible. So that's 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 the current criteria at the moment. So the likes of, shall we say, Jerome Luai, Stephen Crichton, um, for example, Brian Toor, uh, the subal players that play for New South Wales, they were all born and bred here and played junior rugby league before the age of fourteen. Well. Uh, yeah, before the age of fourteen. So thirteen you gotta play rugby league. You gotta be playing New South you gotta play, be playing junior rugby league in either Queensland or New South Wales from the age of thirteen. So if you come and you start playing from fourteen onwards, which was the case of, if you remember correctly, Ronaldo Molotalo was found to be playing he came here as a sixteen year old from New Zealand. Um, and was playing in the under-16s Maroons' origin, under-18s Maroons' origin, under-20s Maroons' origin. Um, And unfortunately, um, due to uh, an administrative error, they found that on the day of the game, back in 2021, game two, they ruled him out because he actually did not play rugby league before the age of 13 here in, in Australia. So, um, the problem with opening it up to, I suppose, from what you're saying, uh, is the Pacific Island, Pacific Islanders to play Origin, um, is that the sanctity around Origin and what makes Origin so special, it starts to lose its aura. So it's always been about state versus state, mate versus mate, where you're from, hence the word Origin. Um. And origin now is, I suppose, it's 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 very, uh, shall we say, interpretive in terms of what origin actually means. Does it mean where you're born? Well, yes. Does it mean when you've played your first senior game of rugby league? Well, yes. Does it mean where you played your rugby league from the age of 13 and before? Well, yes. Um, so that's uh, until... Until they look at eligibility, whether it is right or wrong, subjective, etc., I don't think it's going to change, unfortunately. And to your point, I don't want to see Justin Olin playing for Queensland. I want him to play for Papua New Guinea. What I want to see, I would rather see a shorter NRL season with more international. Games at the conclusion of the season. So instead of having 27 rounds, why not have 20 rounds, and then have a greater postseason international schedule, which allows your likes of Papua New Guinea, your Samoas, your Tongas, your Fijis, your Cook Islands to play more regular international test matches. That's to me. That's where the growth of rugby league is at and we should, as a game, both the IRL, the International Rugby League, and the ARL Commission, along with the New Zealand Rugby League and the Rugby Football League in the UK, everyone should be trying to get on the same page and ensure that we are prioritising International Rugby League because that's the growth market, in my personal opinion. Ramian Lang asks, what is it like to win another Origin series and will you be looking for a whitewash? Well, as a Queensland fan, absolutely. Um, but they are so hard to do. They are so, so hard to do. So the last one was actually 13 years ago, believe it or not. So even during that decade of dominance where Queensland won uh, 10 out of 11 series, the eight in a row, um, the, the constant... In that entire period, they only won one clean sweep, one whitewash or maroon wash, I should say, uh, and that was 2010. So that goes to show how hard it is. So, whilst uh, it seems rather, I suppose, um, apparent that Queensland will go into game three favourites, and deservedly so, um, to make it a clean sweep. New South Wales are going to have plenty to play for because they won't want to go down in history as the team that got beat by th- got beat 3-0. Um, and they'll be picking a side that's going to try and win. Uh, I don't think they're going to pick a side that's going to be looking to build for the future because that's not what origin football is about. Origin football is about picking the best of the best. It's not about trying to build a dynasty... You pick your best players available based on form. That's what representative football is. And if the players are performing, and they'll be picked accordingly. Um, and Billy Slater showed that with Queensland this year. He had the the intestinal fortitude to overlook Kafusi. He had the the gumption and the kahunas to overlook Kalen Ponga and Dane Gagai. And... Kirk Capewell, these guys that have done the job, um, they've done the job for Queensland time and time again, but he overlooked them and he went, he went for players that were on form and he's been rewarded through his through his selections. So um, I would love to see it. Um, and, again, they're, they're a really, really good chance, really good chance, but one thing about origin is you just never know. You just never know. There's always something, there's always... A spanner thrown in the works right at the death, um, and I'm sure again, Freddie, as New South Wales coach, will be wanting to try and avoid a complete, a complete whitewash at all. So, yeah, um, we'll, we shall see how that sort of pans out. But um, I think there was another question that someone left me a week ago. I just want to try and find it if I can. Uh, just bear with me, it might have been on via the Instagram page, uh, and for those of you that aren't following um, Stormcast Podcast, I, I am on Instagram, um, so there is Storm Podcast uh, on Instagram as well as Twitter, for those of you that have Twitter, so on Instagram the handle is Stormcast underscore podcast, so if you want to jump on there and have a look, you're more than more than likely, more than welcome to. Um, just trying, just trying to find it, but uh, unfortunately, it doesn't look like it's there. Uh, that's a shame. I'll just check my other messages. Sorry, uh, this is uh, Stellar Podcasting. There we go. Okay, there was no, can't find it. But I, I apologise for the person that did, um, that did ask the question, The premise of the question was, um, could I provide uh, tickets to a game? No, no. I'm I, I, unfortunately I can't. I can't provide uh, free tickets to, to listeners of this podcast, unfortunately. Um, I'm not employed by the club, so and, and even if I was, uh, uh, employees can't give free tickets out. Um, so it's one of those things. What I can suggest, however, is that you become a Storm member, uh, and through your membership, you will be given a... Uh, depending on uh, what type of membership you want, you'll have access to Storm Games. Uh, I myself am an interstate New South Wales member. Um, I get the luxury of attending nominated fixtures here in New South Wales by redeeming tickets. Um, so six or seven games to choose from, um, and I get to redeem three out of those out of those six for ones um, that I choose to wish to redeem. Uh, the ones that I don't redeem... I I I purchase a ticket anyway. Uh, it doesn't really worry me. Oh, whenever the Storm are playing in Sydney or in New South Wales, I'll always make the effort to go and see them. And I know that plenty of Storm fans and members do. Um, so that's what I would suggest. So, if you want tickets, get a membership. Um, call the club. Club contact the club. Um, on. Um, so if you give the, the Storm. A ring on thirteen hundred seven eight six seven eight six and inquire about a membership. Uh, I'm sure they'll advise you what uh, best membership could suit your needs in that regard. So, um, again, to the person that did reach out to me, I, I, I unfortunately can't find your um, I can't find your question, but yeah, uh, that would be my advice. Um, I can't provide you free tickets to a game, but um, Find out, contact the club, one three hundred seven eight six seven eight six one three hundred seven eight six seven eight seven eight six seven six seven. 786 786 one 786 767 I should say, one three hundred seven eight six seven six seven. 786 767 or jump onto the website and on the left-hand panel, go down to membership and there'll be a lot of information there uh, about becoming a Storm member and that'll get you your tickets into the game. So hopefully that helps so thanks to those of you that sent those questions in um i really really appreciate it it means that one people are listening which is always positive uh and two it's good to interact um so again i'll keep throwing uh that uh, question out to you the listeners um on a week so you can submit any question you want, and I'll do my best to to answer in that regard. So, but um, look, thank you very much. That's that's all for for this week on the podcast. Uh, really appreciate again those of you that um, that are subscribing and downloading, uh, and spreading the word, spreading the gospel, um, and, and and telling your storm friends, family, um, counterparts, colleagues, peers, acquaintances, you name it. Uh, about the podcast. Um, It is growing, which is really, really good to see. Uh, But, yeah, really, really appreciate it. Uh, Thank you so much. Um, Big game this week at at, at Marvel. Um, For those of you that are fortunate enough to get there, uh, enjoy it. It's going to be an absolute cracker. Um, I've got the feeling it's really, really going to come down to potentially one or two points. wouldn't surprise me to see a golden point game either. So... Uh, if I was a betting man, I would say the Storm by two. Um, and if it does go to Golden Point, well, Storm by one um, on a Nick Meaney field goal. So how's that for being bold? Um, because if all the pressure will be on Cameron Munster, so they will at least suspect Nick Meaney. Uh, that's what I'm thinking anyway. But hopefully it doesn't go to uh, Golden Point because I don't think my blood pressure uh, nor my hairline could uh, could handle the stress, uh, <laughs> so um, thankfully I've still got my hair for, at this point in time. Uh, but yes, uh, thanks for listening. Have a, a really good weekend. Um, stay warm. Stay safe. Um, stay dry. Enjoy your rugby league. <laughs> and uh, yeah, let's let's hope Storm get the win. Um, yeah, go Storm. Everybody!